0: Welcome to the Southwest Virginia Alliance for Manufacturing's Made in Southwest Virginia podcast. Each episode, we will hear from a guest about manufacturing in Southwest Virginia. Our guest will give insight into what manufacturing looks like today, manufacturing career opportunities, and exciting advances in
1: manufacturing. Hello,
0: everybody. and thank you so much for listening to the Southwest Virginia Alliance for Manufacturing's Made in Southwest Virginia podcast. We created this podcast as a way to help our community learn more about the incredible manufacturers that innovate, create, employ, and give back right in our own backyards. Today, we're beginning a series featuring women in manufacturing in Southwest Virginia. Through this series, we're gonna speak with several women holding careers in manufacturing at various levels. We'll talk about their companies and careers, how they found themselves working in manufacturing, and advice they would give to women considering careers in manufacturing. I'm so excited today to speak to our podcast guest, Julie Fuller. Julie is the president and COO of Tadano Mantis Corporation. The Southwest Virginia branch is located in Richlands, Virginia. Julie is born and raised West West Tennessee girl, and now lives in Nashville with her husband, daughter, and their cat. So Julie, thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today.
1: Thanks, Sunny Gail. It's a pleasure to to participate in this program.
0: You live in Nashville, but you travel to Southwest Virginia quite a bit, right?
1: Yes. I try to get up there at least for a week a month, but more if I can. I mean, since our manufacturing facilities are all in the Richlands and Claypool Hill area. It's important to get up there to see what's going on, talk to employees, understand the issues, just in general, keep in touch and get some firsthand information. It's Been a bit of a challenge this year, especially earlier in the year with COVID. Uh, you know, everyone trying to reduce travel, do more social distancing, those type of things, but uh, yeah. gotten back on track and with that in the, the third quarter. So, always good to get more contact with the the team that's making our product
0: absolutely that that's quite a cultural difference right between Nashville and Southwest Virginia.
1: It is, but you know, as you mentioned, um I was born and raised in West Tennessee, so I grew up on a farm out in the country um some ways, it reminds me of uh my home and and where I grew okay. up, you know which was much more rural than Nashville, obviously right.
0: oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> You have a degree in mechanical engineering so you've known for a while that you wanted to do something related to manufacturing what made you want to go into that field
1: well um mechanical engineering was something that i mean growing up and even up into the beginning of high school i just didn't know that much about didn't know much about engineering in general um i think i might have had one cousin that was a chemical engineer or civil engineer or something but it was wasn't anything i had a lot of contact with but it was something some of my teachers in high school sort of introduced me to the concept of, and, you know, I always like understanding how things work, fixing things. And I got a lot of that actually from my mother, oh. who was the one who was always, if something went wrong around the house, she certainly had no, uh, no qualms about taking it apart, Very figuring cool. out what was wrong with it and fixing it and putting it back together. So, um, you know, as we, As I moved through high school and then had an opportunity between my junior and senior years to do a a camp at at one of the colleges nearby that was sort of an introduction to engineering, trying to get students interested in it, it really settled as something that I thought I would really enjoy. Um, And of course, when you go into engineering, there's always that aspect that it's really strongly tied with manufacturing because especially mechanical engineering, I mean, it's all about Designing things, putting things together, how things work, process, flow. So, you know, that when you do mechanical engineering, you're really expecting that you're going to be tied to some type of manufacturing or product or, or at least engineering-related service by the end of it.
0: Okay. And what many people, including yourself, find the most interesting and rewarding about manufacturing is that at the end of the day, you have a physical product to show what you've accomplished. You can look at it, touch it, feel it. This is what I've done today. Tell me more about the products that you all make at Tadano Mantis Corporation.
1: Yeah, so Tadano Mantis is the design and manufacturing location for Tadano Limited, which is based in Japan. But uh, Tadano Mantis is their manufacturing group for North America. So we design and build telescopic boom crawler cranes, which are a little different sometimes than what a lot of people are familiar with as far as a crane. They're on... Crawler tracks kind of like a, a dozer, a bulldozer, mm-hmm. uh, or an excavator, and but with a telescopic boom like you'd see on, on a lot of cranes that you think of. So a little bit of a of a niche or smaller market, but you know, really important for a specific type of work where you want to pick up a load and carry it a ways instead of having to pick it up and move on tires and then pick it up again, um, or work from one set location. Mm-hmm. So the cranes we tend to make, I mean, they're big machines. Smallest capacity is 35 tons. We go up to now 160 ton machines. So, you know, it's, it's large pieces of equipment. Um, it's a lot of welding, assembly, hydraulics, electronics. I mean, as far as you know, for me as an engineer, it's just such a great product because there's so much scope to it. There's oh, yeah. a lot of things to learn about, a lot of things to be involved with, as opposed to you know other types of products where maybe you're just making one type of component, which you can get a lot of depth to. But you know, there's just a lot to be interested in, a lot to move from one you know aspect to another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I manufacturing is so interesting. One of the things that I uses kind of a wow factor and that really hit home with me is that you can take the most basic product and there is just so much manufacturing that goes into making that one very simple product that it'll blow your mind. I usually use the example of a wooden pencil and yeah. I'll, I'll hold it up in front of the students and I'll, I'll be like, okay, this is probably the most basic item we can point to in this room. Right. But think about all that goes into manufacturing this, the metal that, that holds the wood and the rubber eraser together, the rubber eraser the plastic mm-hmm. that goes around the wood, the wood, graphite, that's all, you know, you can just keep going, going, going. There's just so much that goes into manufacturing things. It's truly very interesting.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, and it's, it is something that I think we as a society take for granted a lot of times, especially with ordinary things, you know, like pencils or, you know, things that you pick up and hold and, and deal with every day. Mm-hmm. You don't think about but yeah, someone had to think about how are you going to do that little metal ring that goes around there? How are you going to make that pencil that shape and have it consistent from each one to the next? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are really some of the the challenging and fascinating things about manufacturing.
0: Absolutely. When I first met you, you were VP of Engineering and Purchasing, and now you're COO. When I first got in touch with you and you said you were interested in doing this podcast you know I went to your LinkedIn and I said oh my goodness Julie's oh, now look at that I didn't <laughs> know that so how did you get to this point in your manufacturing career?
1: Um, That's a good question I'm, <laughs> not, <laughs> I'm not always sure how to answer that um, I guess I'll say you know even going back I first started out in this company um, as a design engineer you know 25 years okay. ago now Wow. so um, it's been a lot of Persistence. I mean, just being willing to hang in there through good times and bad, uh, looking for new opportunities, looking for new ways to contribute, always trying to learn new things. You uh-huh. know, not being afraid of, of being a little bit outside your comfort zone. Um, those are all things that help you move ahead. You know, employers, managers—they're always looking for that employee that's their go-to person, hey, I know I can ask this person to help me out with this, even though it's not exactly what they do, or ask them to take on this task that's a little out of the norm, and, you know, they may not be 100% the best at it right off the bat, but they're willing to dig in and try and ask questions and, and figure it out, Yeah. Um, and those are always the things that are going to help you mm. progress in your career. Oh,
0: yeah. That, that's good. I like that a lot. Good for someone to hear. Yeah, be persistent. Push forward. Even when, That's one thing that I preach. Even if you're scared, when I was presented with the possibility of this job, I initially was like, no, I can't do that. What are you, what are you talking about? And I literally told them no. Luckily, they wouldn't really let me say no and, and help me see that I could do it, but I was, no. So that is very good advice. Even if you're scared, um, push forward and believe in yourself, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. Surround really yourself with
0: people that believe in you as well.
1: Yep, those are important things. Um, and help other people, you know, believe in themselves. I mean, Absolutely. That's part, Especially when you get into management is mm-hmm. you know, one of the most powerful things that one of my past managers um, said to me at one point was, you know, he gave me something new to do. And I really wasn't sure whether I could do it or not. And I think I might have made a comment like that. And he looked at me just like, you know, of course you can do this. I know you can do it. <laughs> You know, it wasn't even a question in his mind. And that really made me feel so empowered.
0: Absolutely.
1: Regardless of whether he really thought I could do it or not. Just telling me (laughs) that that, you can, you know, um, it's, I've heard, you know, various versions of the quote, but it's really, you know, what you can do and what you can't do is all in your head. Oh, yeah. If you think you can do it, you'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. You'll figure out a way to, to make it work. But, you know, if you think you can't, you've defeated from the beginning.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, a lot of times when people think of manufacturing, they're immediately thinking of jobs like welding and machining or machine operator positions, but a lot of people don't think about the business side of the operation and the roles that need to be filled to keep the business running. What does a COO do?
1: Well, that is a really good question. And one that I've actually spent probably the last six months trying to figure out on my own, (laughs) (laughs) especially for this company. So I started my role April 1st of this year. And while I, like you mentioned, I'd been vice president of engineering and and purchasing for a while before that, it was really a lot more in the COO position than I originally expected. Um, But basically what I do is a lot of planning, a lot of helping solve problems, a lot of listening, to the people that work for me about what the issues are, what we need, you know, and taking that and trying to make it into, you know, a vision for how we become better. You know, where do we need to go? What kind of additional resources do we need? Um, What kind of new plans do we need? What kind of improvements? What kind of, you know, actions do we need to take to prevent problems? Um, It's those kind of things that really are what, You need to be in the COO role. You need to be out there looking out for your employees, looking out for the company, and uh, trying to move it forward.
0: It sounds like you need to have vision, someone who can have vision and see the big picture, but as well as understand how the small parts and pieces work together to make that big picture happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good summary. Uh, But I guess the other part I'll add to that is I don't feel like I have to have all the vision. Mm, That's great. Um, I, what I know is that I may have a vision, mm-hmm. but that's all based on what I have as my perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's where talking and listening to everybody. I want to hear what, what this person sees from their perspective, because it's going to be different than the way I'm thinking about things. And there may be an important piece there that I'm just not seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really good thing to keep in mind. The people that you work with and the perspectives that they have. We probably have some folks listening who are either considering career manufacturing or they hope to develop their career further. What would you say is the best advice you've ever gotten that has helped you in developing your own career?
1: I don't know if it's advice that I've gotten or just something that I've learned over the years, but what you do is not really so much about success as it is about how you handle failure.
0: Oh yeah. But
1: yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, companies, employers, things, you know, they want their employees to be successful. Mm-hmm. But we all know that that didn't work out. Right. <laughs> not everything you're gonna and not everything you do is gonna be successful, not everything's gonna work out the way that's been planned or forecasted. And things are gonna come up that are completely unexpected. Successful employees or employees that you know that really are the most, you know, are really valuable are the ones who can say, okay, problem. We need to take some action on it. Here's what we need to do. You know, work with the problems, figure out how to correct them, figure out how to move forward. Um, You can't just freeze when you have problems. That's really not an option. You have to work the problem, move it forward, Um, work towards solutions
0: right the ability to be okay with failure and to figure out what to do once you do fail is a skill that I hear a lot of employers say is lacking in the workplace now that, that a lot of people have not been allowed to fail as they've grown up and that's kind of put them at a handicap that when it does happen on the job they just freeze and lock up and don't know how to what to do from there. So that's great advice to learn. And, and that failure doesn't have to beat you up, that it is such a great learning opportunity. You can grow so much from failure. So I'm yeah. excited that you said that.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, your comment about you know, employees not knowing how to take failure, it's certainly something that we as you know, employers, managers need to help people with. Because yep. yeah, it, it's certainly not easy to deal with failure. It's not something you want to happen. No. And there's always, you know, that that minute where you're going to beat yourself up and, you know, it it, it certainly hits you hard. It's, but but you got to pick yourself up. you got to start, you know, the people that work for you, start helping them think through the problem. Sure. You know, so as managers, start working with them about, okay, this is what we've got. What do we need to do as the next steps? How do we address this? How do, You know, kind of break it down for them as far as actions. And generally people, you know, they get some thinking more. Along the positive lines instead of the, oh, this is so bad. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> you know, having something to do always makes people better rather than, you know, being sort of caught in a, in a problem and, and not having a direction.
0: Sure. Embracing that failure isn't just the worst thing in the world. It, like you said, it makes you feel terrible for a second, but we learn from it and we need to see it as more of a positive. So, if yeah. I ever do a podcast on leaders in manufacturing, I'm coming back to you, Julie. You've got some great things to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. But it, you made an important point there at the end. You know, um, part of the the value of failures is learning from them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, handling the failures, you know, setting them right is one thing, but then learning from them and say, okay, this didn't work. <laughs> so let's oh. figure out how we avoid that in the future, how we do something better, how we take a different path and prevent it from happening again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there are significantly fewer women than men working in manufacturing. Why do you think that is, and how do you think we can start to
1: change that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, overall, the workforce in the U.S. is about you know, 50-50, female-male. Um, but only about a third of the employees in manufacturing are women. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about manufacturing uh, among women. You know, there's the, the conception that it's, you know, hard labor intensive work, that, you know, it's really male dominated, that it's low skill and low pay, that there's not good work life flexibility. And I think a lot of those are sort of antiquated ideas. I mean, certainly there are jobs that are hard and labor intensive, but there's a lot of jobs these days, you know, with the increased automation and Mm -hmm. other progress that have been made in manufacturing that, you know, even on the floor, very hands-on jobs, they're not that labor-intensive. They're not hard. There's certainly things that anyone can do. Right. And even the hard and labor-intensive jobs, women can do those. (laughs) I mean, with with the regulations that are in place from OSHA and other things, it's just a matter of whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Male-dominated, I mean, yeah, with the percentage of females versus males, it is more male-dominated, but I also don't see that as... A downside. I mean, certainly I've been working in a male dominated industry my whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I'll say about that is everybody remembers me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, may, they may meet, you know, 10 guys in a day, but then when they meet me and say, oh, you know, here's the engineer, Julie Fuller, mm-hmm. they remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, low skill and low pay. Mm, manufacturing jobs are. Uh, Pretty competitive pay-wise. I mean, uh, yeah. certainly not the lowest paying, lowest skill jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly if you do build up skills, you know, either whether it's through education and STEM and engineering and those kind of things, or through trade schools, those are really great skills that, that certainly have pay that's commiserate with them. So right. you know, they will certainly help you with your pay, you know, having a career. That moves forward. That's at a good pay scale. Work life flexibility. I think all employees or employers are moving on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, COVID's been a real great. Well, has caused a lot of great changes um, in working from home, working remotely. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that COVID was great, but um, yeah. it's pushed a lot of things that. Oh yeah that everyone has sort of balked at for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think, you know, it's gonna go you know, from everyone working remotely, which we had at one point, to, to people coming back. Um, there's gonna be some balance there, but even apart from you know, remote work and other things, employees realize, employers realize that work-life balance is really important to all the employees. And it's something that people really start to expect. And especially if you want more women in the workforce, you know, then you've got two earner families usually and oh, yeah. you have to allow some flexibility. Mm-hmm. You can't all fall on one partner or the other in those kind of setups. So those are things that all employers are really trying to work towards to have a competitive advantage in hiring the best people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, also, well said.
1: <laughs> but another factor in that, I think, is uh, maybe not enough female role models.
0: Oh yeah, which is I what mean, we're trying to change with this podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, when you think about what traditional female jobs as you get, you know, as that comes out, you know, women think about teachers and nurses and and those type of professions, which really have been largely female mm-hmm. over the years. And I think that tends to set expectations, sort of set their vision for the future. Um, And that's where, yeah, great programs that are trying to promote more women going into engineering, science, technology, you know, those kind of things certainly help expand the vision of what women can do as far as careers and get more women into manufacturing. But I think a lot of the programs they're also doing with skilled trades, you know, right along those same lines. Where they're trying to expand, where, hey, you know, welding isn't just something guys do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maintenance jobs. You know, all all manufacturing jobs on the floor. You know, there's lots of great things out there and great opportunities for women, especially as we're trying to, you know, fill skilled gaps and you know hire more people uh, to fill positions that are really difficult. You really have to bring more people into the workforce. And that's where, you know, that difference between a third of employees being women versus two thirds men can really bring that up.
0: So, right. And you've been recognized as an honorary of SPAM's Outstanding Woman in Manufacturing Award as we talk about wanting to show people more positive examples of women in manufacturing. You've been recognized twice. What does it meant to you to receive that
1: recognition? Well, I've really appreciated that and really been honored by, it. Uh, you know, the two times that that I've received it. Um, it it's great to get the recognition. It's great to, to like I said, be an example, uh, a role model for other women that are trying to you know, get into manufacturing, understand what the possibilities are for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, the only thing I'll say about that is I wish there was more competition. I wish there were more women yes. <laughs> that were out there, you know, that were being uh, considered for the position or for the for the recognition for the award. So, you know, get more and people in there.
0: <laughs> everybody listening? The Works in Manufacturing submit your recognition for your outstanding woman in manufacturing. We accept those nominations every February. Yep. We're actually looking at doing some other recognition opportunities that I'm excited to get work on. So. Thank you for that plug, folks. We need more recognition. That's right. So, well, Julie, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today and get to know more about your company and your job. A lot of the things you've said have just got me so excited and fired up, and it's been a great conversation. To close us out, can you tell us one of your favorite memories from working in manufacturing?
1: So one of the favorite things that I that I come back to is, uh, you know, when I first started out in design engineering, I was working with another couple of engineers on a new design project, a new crane. And, you know, this has been 20 years ago or so, but it was, you spend all this time designing, drawing, making a model on a computer screen of this product, and then to go out to the manufacturing floor and see that being oh, yeah. made and come together, oh, yeah. you know, as the pieces, the parts, and then the final crane, it was just such a thrill, that, <laughs> and I remember yeah. that still. I mean, it, it's, and that's, you know, we had a comment earlier, you know, making something that you can see and touch, something mm-hmm. physical as part of the manufacturing process. I mean, that's still something that I really find exciting.
0: And that, is that kind of what got you hooked, that high from working on the project and seeing it to fulfillment?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was really yeah. something really special um, from an, you know from an engineering standpoint, sure. especially. Where, you know, something that's just your idea becomes something that you can put your hands on, operate, you know, and a real product that people are gonna buy.
0: Sure. Well, thank you again, Julie. I hope you all will join us next time as we speak with other women in manufacturing in Southwest Virginia and we work to show the community what great opportunities are available in manufacturing in our region. That wraps up today's episode of Made in Southwest Virginia. Thank you to everyone for listening, and I hope you learned something about manufacturing in Southwest Virginia. Join us again next time for another great episode.